Okay, I want to continue with uh, the topic we started yesterday, and yesterday, as I mentioned, was by means of an introduction of understanding exactly what the mitzvah is and how it applies in a uh, many situations. Um, okay, good morning, Yaakov. Nice to see you. Beautiful. Okay, so yesterday, as I mentioned, is a little was a little bit of a hakdama. What I want to do now is I want to go continuing a little bit on the hakdama introduction sort of way because there are. There's just so much, and I was looking today about, okay, what are we going to start today? Well, I said yesterday we're going to start the halachas, but, the, you know, I'm going to get to some halachas as well, but I want to understand a little bit more of what's going on. I actually want to start with a Maisa Shahoya. It's a true story. Somebody, um, somebody I was close with, this is going back, this is probably around, I'm thinking now he's got three or four kids, he was just newly married then. He's probably about four or five years ago. Yeah, four or five years ago. He's moved. He used to live in Eretz Yisrael. He moved back to Chutzloritz about a couple of years ago. Anyway, so um, he calls me up with the following, Shiloh. It's a very interesting question. And it's a very important question, I think, that I want to mention at this point when we're discussing Kibbutz of Aim. And that was like this. He bought a new apartment. And he brought me to the apartment. And I came there to check out all the Shilohs of Mezuzah. Because there were many, many Shilohs of Mezuzah that were going on, you know, with archways and all interesting Shilohs. And, you know, it's an, it's an interesting way of pascaling Shilohs, which you can't do over the phone. You have to go to the house. And I, and I did that. And it was very, very interesting. Then he says to me, and this was really going back before he bought the Mezuzahs and before I came to his house. He says to me like this. He said, my father-in-law is a cipher. He writes mezuzahs and sifrei Torah and tefillin and everything else, right? He writes stump. He's a sofa stump. He said, but I know the halachas tells us that you have to make sure to buy all your tefillin and mezuzahs and obviously sifrei Torah from a year of Shemaim. He says, I'm about to purchase somewhere between 20 and 25 mezuzahs, which is pretty much a nice amount of mezuzahs. I don't want to buy it from my father-in-law. I said, Why? He said, because I don't think my father knows a big Yerushamayim. And the Allah is that you've got to have a Yerushamayim. So I said, okay, one second. I want to separate the two things. Of course, you're right. There's Allah that the person who writes your tefillin and mezuzahs, whatever, has to be a Yerushamayim. But there's another Allah called Kibbut of Aim. And that might be a Doraisa. In this situation, it was a Doraisa. Because especially if his, his father-in-law knows that his son-in-law is buying an apartment, and obviously he's going to need new mezuzahs because it was a brand newly built apartment. It wasn't like he took it from someone else. Where is he buying mezuzahs from? Not from me. He would be tremendously, you know, sort of, you know, in pain that my son-in-law didn't, you know, buy my mezuzahs from me. And I told him that this is a very, very important thing. It's true. There's a mile of Yerushalayim. But sometimes... You have to know the difference between a Maila and a Me'ikahadin. I'll tell you, for example, I remember going back now, uh, close to 10 years, I used to give Shi'urim for many Bachrim who came from homes of Bali Chuvas, Geirim. Basically, their, their homes were parents who were totally not religious. Some of them not Jewish, at least their father. And uh, many of them, if not most of them, their families were not religious. And it was always a challenge learning halachas with them that they never heard of, right? Boira, seriously? Boira, I never heard of Boira before, Rabbi. You're such a machmi. You're not a do Boira on Shabbos. I never heard this halacha before, right? So you show him, you explain to him, whatever. I guess if you never grew up with something, then you think it's a chumrah, really. It's not a chumrah. It's just, you never heard of it before. So, it was always a challenge before they went home to explain to them and give them hadracha of going home and being at home with your parents. Because at the end of the day, there's a mitzvah of kibbutz of aim. There's a way to deal with your parents. But there's also halachas. 
Now, there are certain times, and we'll get to those times, when you don't have to listen to your parents. When your parents tell you, do me a favor, Moishala, do this for me. And you could say no, obviously in a nice, pleasant, respectful way. There are times that you do not have to listen to your parents. And before we get to what they are, we have to understand why it is so. Because that's a very important Nakuda. But before all of that, I want to take a step back and understand just for a moment how important it is for a person to realize that, you know, even if your parents are religious, which Baruch Hashem, I'm talking to a crowd right now, Baruch Hashem, not all your parents, Baruch Hashem, are Gvaldige Choshev Yidin. But sometimes they didn't get the same opportunities as we got. Maybe they didn't learn in the same yeshivas. Maybe they didn't learn everything the way it is. And, and I've had this, you know, confrontation both with parents and both with kids. I've had parents calling me up upset. I've had children calling me up. What do I do in such situations? And it's rare to find the following. A, a mother recently said to me about her son that he um, came home telling her various halachas. I'm thinking, is he listening right now? No, he's not listening right now, but he's, he should be listening right now. But his mother actually said to me, she said how proud she was. He came home and starts telling her, oh, one second, I, th- I don't think you can make the tea that way. I think you need like a klishlishi or whatever it was. And instead of saying, hey, what are you telling me what to do? I know how to do things here. Don't suddenly go to yeshiva and come back all brainwashed or whatever. She's like, thank you. Tell me more. It's an incredible thing. When Shinshan Pinkus Zatzal once said the same thing. He said he was once walking in Bnei Brak. And it doesn't have to mean Bnei Brak, but whatever. He said the story happened in Bnei Brak. And he saw a guy biting his nails. Right, it happens all the time. You see a guy biting their nails on Shabbos. They don't know they're doing an issue of guises. So he went up to the guy and said, excuse me, you're being Mechal Shabbos. You're not allowed to do that. And he was waiting for the guy to curse him out and be upset, but he didn't care because Rav Shinshun did whatever was right to do, as we all should do. And the guy gave him a hug. Thank you so much. Now, that's a very unusual, very not, you know, normal way of understanding it. But the truth of the matter is that's a very important thing. And that's how we have to deal with our parents as well. We have to know what is me'ika hadin. If your parents tell you to switch on a light or switch off a light, that is pretty standard. That it's also it's And therefore, they also will get to that halacha as well. But sometimes things are humras, midas chasidas, things that you want to do that your parents don't want you to do. Moshe Sternbach, for example, has a tshuva about a son that wants to grow a beard. And his parents don't want him to. His parents say, no, what are you growing a beard for? I'm not interested in you looking like one of those fanatical guys. You don't have to grow a beard. And the son really wants to. And he's not just doing it, just stam. He's doing it maybe because la halacha is he wants to grow a beard. And he wants to make sure that he doesn't shave and get rid of the corners of his beard. Whatever those halachas are. So there's a major shayla. I'm not going to go to it now. We'll talk about it, but it's Hashem. But that there's a major shayla in this thing. And you have to know this. It's a very, very important thing to understand. With kibbut of aim, and again, as a means of a hagdom and introduction, it's important for us to remember that, yes, there are halachas of kibbut of aim, and there's many other halachas as well. We have to have the balance. We have to know what is mutter, what's awesome, what's only a chumrah. And when our parents ask us to do something, or we want to do something that's going to cause them harm in a way that we think is just some thing that we need to do, but it's going to cause them harm, it's possibly not worth it. And that's why it's very, very important for a person to understand exactly where these halakhas come from and what they are. But I, I want to mention a couple of other things as well, and we've got, we've got a lot of halakhas to, do, to deal with over here, but I want to get to some of, a couple of things, just to, I want to really clarify this halacha before we get to the actual details of what's muta and what's asa, let's understand a couple of things. Now, the Gemara asks the following question. The Gemara says, Ad heicho, until where is Kibbid of Aim? 
In other words, it's a beautiful mitzvah, and we explained yesterday that it's a mitzvah that carries with it a tremendous amount of reward, that which we have basically not seen in most other mitzvahs, and obviously carries with it, Rachman al-Litzlan a tremendous amount of punishment as well. But the Gemara wants to know, Ad Heichan, until where does it go? So the Gemara in Kiddushin, will learn in Be'ezah Hashem soon, the Gemara tells us a story about a goy. His name is Doma ben Nesina. A goy, Doma ben Nesina. The Gemara asks, why we have to learn Kibbut of Aim from a goy, not from a Yid, but on that's where the Gemara learns it from, a goy called Doma ben Nesina. He was sitting amongst the noble noblemen. Can you imagine all the, the Roman people over there sitting with their finest officer clothing and, you know, the hats and everything over there. And he was sitting amongst them and everyone was dressed in their finest clothing. His mother, Domo Benesina's mother, walked in. Now, Chazal tell us that Domo Benesina's mother was not totally there. She was not 100%. She was mentally ill. But Uncle Pony, she walks inside and she enters the room. She approaches her son. She starts ripping off his clothing. She smashes him on the head and she spits at him. What's the reaction from her son? The Gemara says, Doma Benesina did absolutely nothing to respond. He didn't respond to her whatsoever. Didn't curse her. Didn't shove her out the door. Didn't call security. Nothing. Says the Gemara, from here we see, this, this is how far Kibar of Aim goes. It goes so far, then if that's what you imagine, for example, just take the example, you're standing up at your chasana, you got yourself a beautiful suit, 18 buttons down the side, I spent six weeks looking for this suit, incredible suit, wow, it took me six weeks, I'd have to leave yeshiva early, obviously to look for this suit, and the hat, the hat, mamash, every direction I looked, this hat was incredible, it took me about four and a half hours in the hat store to find the hat, the S-Rug takes me about five minutes, but the hat in the hat store, wow, that was a hat that you can't imagine, it was incredible, an amazing thing, you're standing there at your chasana, under the chuppah, Hundreds of people, right? There's no social distancing. Baruch Hashem, coronavirus is finished. And everyone is standing under the chuppah, admiring what a beautiful, handsome chassan. And look at the color walking in. It's a perfect setting. The violin is playing. The rose petals are coming down. You know, the aisle, it's, it's beautiful. And your mother, or your father, who's standing next to you, you just walked you down the aisle. Take your suit, rip it off, start taking your hat, smashing it down. What, 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 what are you going to say? What's your reaction going to be? Forget about the fact there are hundreds of people there watching, and you've got the cameraman, the video man, and everyone watching. What's your reaction? The Gemara is telling us absolutely nothing. The debt that we have to our parents is so big, is so great, that we have to go to the most difficult and extreme lengths, in the most trying circumstances, to ever make sure that they're not embarrassed, that they're not upset, and nothing we do ever upsets them. Just to put things, that, that I think that just put things into perspective to understand exactly what's going on and to make this point clearer. You know, let's try another example. Again, I just want to give you a, a couple of ideas just to understand where these alochas are coming from. You know, just imagine you're driving your car, as I see one of you are right now. You're driving your car, you should have a safe journey, Be'ez HaShem, and a certain person was driving his car, loses control of the car, swerves off the road, and he goes into a ditch. He's pinned against the wheel. He's half unconscious. He's unable to free himself or even call for help. He looks like there's no one around. No one's going to save me. Who knows what's going to happen? He's bleeding. I don't know what's going to be. All of a sudden, he hears a siren. He hears a siren as a passing police car that spotted the wreck in the ditch. And the officer radios for the ambulance to come within minutes. There's a team of paramedics that are moving the man to safety. As they're carrying him from the wreckage, 
right? The whole gas tank catches on fire. Within seconds, the entire car has exploded into a wreckage that is non-recognizable anymore. He had literally seconds to live. And he was saved from those few seconds. Could you imagine when he sees the person who spotted him, who was driving there, who called for help? There's no words to describe the gratitude you feel. You'll do anything for him. Tell me. You know, whatever I can do for you, I'll give you whatever money you want. I'll I'll grant you whatever crest I can give you. Right? However powerful you are, however much money you have, you'll do whatever you can. Because this man saved my life. That's incredible. He literally saved my life. I'll do anything. My boy said, our parents do the same thing. Our parents did more than that. Our parents not only brought us into the world in a physical way, but they literally, they stayed up at night. They gave us bottles. They clothed us. They taught us everything we know until now. Allah has come over come how much gratitude we have to have for our parents. What we have to realize our parents went through the years and years and teenage years, I can tell you, and you all know yourself, a little bit more difficult than the terrible two-age. This is the gratitude we have to have for our parents. Our parents are gedolim in our eyes. The mitzvah is our opportunity to really express our koros and give them back something from what they gave to us. And that is what the mitzvah is. And we explained that yesterday from the chinuch. It's all the koros And it leads to our koros of the Rabbi Nishlanim. As I mentioned yesterday, we all have a koros to Hashem. This is the Pesach, the passageway, the Mahalach, the way of doing, getting a koros to the Rabbi Nishlanim is to our koros of our parents. I want to ask a following question. If it's such a chosh of a mitzvah, why don't we make a bracha? Where's the bracha? Beautiful mitzvah. You wake up in the morning, you're about to see your parents, your parents are coming down the stairs, and you're sitting downstairs, of course you're going to stand up, which we'll get to those halachas, which you're all familiar with. But before we get to those, you want to make a bracha. You're about to make a mitzvah doraisa, like the gadadola bincha, like eating matzah on Sadie night, like reading a Megillah on Purim, like taking a lulav, anything. Why is this different that there is no mitzvah? Very interesting question, and this question you should know was posed by the Rishonim. The Rishonim asked this kasha, there's a tshuva in the Rashba, Chelech Alef Simon Yudches, at the end of Sikot and Dalet, where he brings us a very important klal, and by the way, those of you that have heard Allah from me before, you know that I've mentioned this Rashba in many, many different other situations. The Rashba explains a gewaldige yusoyed in Hilchas Brachas, and it applies over here, says the Rashba like this, he says there are certain mitzvahs that do not have a bracha, but he doesn't really explain. The only explanation that the Rashba brings is that since a parent, and we'll get to these halachas as well, can be moichel on their covered, and the whole union of Kibar of Ein is mechabed your parents, and your parents have the right to be moichel on it. So therefore it's toil and someone else, and therefore you cannot make a bracha, and something that's toil and someone else. It's almost like the Rashba says, when you give stocker, stocker's a mitzvah daraisa. Why is there no bracha and stocker? Should be a mitzvah. It should be a bracha like every other mitzvah. Why is there no bracha? Says the Rashba. Very simple. Because maybe the guy will turn around and say, No, I don't want it. If that's the case, maybe he will I can't make a baruch. I got my gartel on. I just went to the mikvah. And here I am. I'm ready to be kind in the midst of giving one dollar to Tzedakah. Baruch atah. Mamish with all the kavanas. I read muchan and And I give it to the guy. And the guy's like, No, I don't need it. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm not an oni. It's fine. He'd be like, Oh, no, no, take it. 
Hefsuk. Hefsuk, I made a bracha. So you can't make a bracha on something like that. So therefore, says the Rashba over here, it's Tolly and others, and therefore you cannot make a bracha. The Avudram says the same thing also, that you cannot make a bracha on there. However, there are many, many poskin that don't understand this this question over here. They don't understand because, and they answer, and they ask on the Rashba, and the Radvaz, for example, Chedek Aleph, Simatov, Kuv, brings down that it's true, and we'll get to these halachas, that a parent can be moichel on their child in certain halachas. But that doesn't mean there's no mitzvah on the child. Of course there's a mitzvah on the child. It could be the parent will say, I'm Michael. You don't have to stand up when I come in the room. You don't have to call me the God ladder. You don't have to serve me everything like, you know, like you've been doing until now. You don't have to. I'm being Michael. But there's still a mitzvah on the son or daughter to do it for their parent. If that's the case, said the Radvaz, what on earth is the Rashba saying that? Because they could be Michael, Mamela, there's no bracha. Doesn't make any sense. Same thing. They say the Haredim, Tov Kufayin Gimel, says the same thing as well. True, a parent can be Michael on the covet, but that's only Bedine Odom. But Bedine Shomayim, he says, there's still Chayim, the Chidah says the same thing as well. That even if the father is Michael, there's still a mitzvah. And that's, by the way, going to be a halachic nafgamina to us. That if your father says to you, no, no, it's okay, I'm Michael, you don't have to do that. Do we, that's it, we don't have to do it anymore? Or, no, if we do it, we're still going to be yait to the mitzvah. So it comes out that even if there was mechila, I'm still yait to the mitzvah, which then leads us to back to the question, why is there no bracha for the mitzvah of kibbut of vayim? Okay, so that is the question. I'm sure some of you guys have uh, answers over here. Yeah, Maisa's don't... Right, Maisa, by the way, just for the horror I see, Maisa is a machloik, is the pischit tshuva. In the beginning of Hilchus Stoker, it says Maisa is a three-way machloik, if it's a chiv, it's a minag, or it's a mutter, it's nothing bechlal, but we're dealing with the mitzvah of Stoker, which obviously is a mitzvah daraisa when it's done in the correct way. I want to mention a couple of reasons. Um, one is the tshuva nebinyamin zev semekuf samach tes, again, for those of you guys that are taking notes, that he says the reason for the mitzvah that we don't make a bracha on the mitzvah is, he says, is because the goyim also do it. And therefore, any mitzvah that a goy also does, then it's not going to be special that Klal Yisrael do. And therefore, that's the reason then, you know, we can't make a bracha on that, because everyone does that. It's a mitzvah sikhlis. In fact, Rav Vazna, Zatzal Neshevet Alevi Chelebei Simon Kufi Yodalev Ois Aleph, asks a kash on the Binyamin Zev. He says, Faket! That should be a reason that's good to make a bracha. The goyim do it because it's normal. That's what we do. Dad, thank you. We do it because the Rabbi Shalom told us to do it. That's a whole different madriga. And he wants to say, Fakir, that's not a good reason to not make a bracha. Fakir, Rafi, that we should make a bracha. I'll tell you as well, there's a Marie Al-Ghazi that brings down the end of Simon Yudalit. The reason why we don't make a bracha on Kibber of Aim, he says the reason is because of the Chumrah, he says you can't make a bracha on it. He says because, uh, this is his Lashen, unbelievable. He says, It's disgusting, you can't make a Unbelievable thing. Says the real Ghazi. You know why there's no bracha on Kibar of Aim? It's so homo. It's a mitzvah that is so important. You're not going to get to the mitzvah. You're not going to makayim the mitzvah in the proper way. When do we make a bracha when I'm about to eat matzah? Okay, I can eat matzah. When do we make a bracha when I'm about to shake a lulav? Well, I can shake a lulav. But how can you make a bracha on something that you're not going to fully do in the proper way, such as kibbutz of aim? 
And therefore, if that's the case, he says, and it's very scary what he says, he says that the Torah understood, we're never going to be Zoycha. Again, it's so common to stay Chemes at the same thing, we're saying the same for Shema Yaakov. We're dealing with a mitzvah over here which is so homo that they even will battle the bracha because we're not able to do it in the proper way. It's a very scary thing. There's an Oizarua. Again, Rabbi said, I'm quoting you with Shainim. There's an Oizarua, Chedek Aleph, Hilchus Brochus, Simon Kuf Mem. Zach Lali says, he says, there are certain mitzvahs that have a time period. Shake a lot of, it's that moment. Eat the matzvah, it's that moment. Read the Megillah, it's that moment. But when it comes to the mitzvah of Kibber of Aim, he said, it's the whole time. There's no time that you're potter. It's not the chat that, oh, I've eaten the matzah, I can relax. I've shook the lulav, I can relax. There's no such thing as, I gave mum a cup of water, I can relax the rest of the day. Oh, it doesn't work that way. You can't do that. Therefore, since you're high of the whole time, therefore there's no bracha, because you're always high in that way. And I'll just tell you one last thing. One last thing. The Sefer Haredim, Perek Tes says that the Mitzvah Kibbut of Aim can also be Mekuyim Bemachshava, which, by the way, is very important. I don't know where you guys are right now. I know one guy right now is uh, driving, as I can see. So he's not with his parents. And most of you guys are at home. You can go right now and give your parents a cup of water. You can go right now and do whatever you want to go and your parents. But sometimes you're not with your parents. So one of the ways to mechabed your parents, and it's a daraisa, is b'machshava. You could do it with a dibbo or b'maisa, obviously as well. That might have a higher madrega, but also b'machshava. And therefore says the Sefer Haredim, since the mitzvah of kibbutz of Aim has also a key in b'machshava, Therefore, we cannot allow a bracha on something that can be uh, uh, done by machshava, by thought process, and therefore, that's the reason of the bracha. So there's a couple of reasons over there. One last thing I want to mention as well. Interesting, Chakira. Is the mitzvah of kibbutz of Aim ben odom lemokoim or ben odom lechaveiroi? Interesting, Chakira, which I'm sure many of you probably have an answer right now. Well, what's the answer? I'm not going to unmute anyone because I'm not going to hear too many because you probably all know the answer. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint to this answer. Possible answer. It's not Vade, the answer. What's the hint? Again, the Chakira. Mitzvah Kibbut of Aim. Is the Mitzvah ben Odom lechaveroi a Mitzvah ben Odom lemokim? What is it? Anyone? Anyone have an answer? It's out of interest. Anybody have an idea of what I'm going to say? Daniel, what do you want to say? Let's have a look. One second. Go for it. Yeah? It's Ben Odom Lemokim. It's first of all, it's on the right side of the Luchas. And also, the Gemara says that Hashem is a shutter for your parents. Wow, very nice. Okay, excellent. So, we had a couple of answers there from Daniel. Very nice. That number one is on the right hand side of the Aserah Sadeh Brois. And number two, it is, uh, like the Gemara says, and we quoted that yesterday, right in the beginning, that the Rabbi Nishlam is a shutter, is a partner it's a Machoikas Rishonim. It's a Mamash Machoikas Rishonim. The Ramban, Alatoyim Parshish Yisroi, Chof Yud Gimel, wants to tie that it's been Odom the Makoim, and Kadakemach, that's Rabbeinu Bachaya, the Sefer Ikrim, the Shlach Kodesh. Others want to tie not that way. It could be the Rambam is Mashma, and the Rosh, also the Barbanel, Mashma, that maybe it's more of a Ben Odom Chaveiro, which of course you get also Ben Odom Makoim at the same time, which we'll have to understand, which we're not for right now, why exactly it's on that side of the Aseris Adibros. But let me just end, Rabbi Yisrael, with one last thing, and that is just to understand as a Hagdama for tomorrow, and that is also for us to understand like this. There are two separate mitzvahs when it comes to Kibbut of Aim. And this is what's very, very important because we're going to discuss many halachas, but we have to get clear where these halachas 
halachas are in comparison to the what they should where they should be. There are two separate mitzvahs in regards to kibbutz aim. There's honoring that's kibbutz, and there's also fearing, which is moira. Right, both in the Sarah of Debris it says kabed esavicha, but it also says ish imoy va'oviv tiro. You should fear them. What is the difference between kibud, which is literally means again honoring, and moira, which means fearing? So the Aruch Hashulchan has a beautiful explanation. The Aruch Hashulchan has a beautiful explanation over here in Yeridei Simon Reish Mem to understand the difference, and he says you know the difference is. He says, covered honor is what you positively do to your parents. To honor them. Fear is what you don't do. Meaning, out of fear for the stature of your parents, you will not do because that's disrespectful. Now, we'll have to discuss and understand on a deep level what halachas on a geah, standing up, contradicting them, saying yes to them, agreeing to them, calling them by their name, writing them. There's so many halachas that we'll have to discuss by Ezer Hashem. But again, I guess today was a little bit more of a hagdama and more of a halachic sense. Tomorrow, I guess, we'll go on to a more uh, actual and very practical uh, sense of these halachas. Uh, okay.